Bulls Gold is delivered to you via the Barroom Network, now in its seventh year of providing podcasts about Chicago sports, movies, and more. Make sure to subscribe to the Barroom Network for free and easy downloads of its programming. And visit its merchandising store at deepdishtees.com to purchase t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs. Now, on with the show. I'm Edward Schuler, joined as always by Salim Surawala. Salim, how you doing today, man? Well, I'm great. Uh, good Sunday. Beautiful weather out today. You know, it's funny. Uh, I was thinking as as we started recording your last episode we did with Steph Noah. In the beginning of the episode, you and I talked about Denzel Valentine. Yeah. Uh, potentially because I was shocked that they had summer league championships. And I was wondering if Denzel got a summer league championship or not summer league championship rings to be specific. Yeah. Uh, and I was wondering if Denzel got one. But then we saw the news uh, right now that Denzel signed with the Sydney Kings, um, and supposedly they're the defending champions in the NBL. So so, so he they're might adding get some championship. Ring. They're adding some he, championship experience, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes, he might. He might actually get a ring. Well, yeah, the the summer league champion and. Um, and then obviously the, he might actually get a real ring from a real, uh, something that actually matters. Yeah. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that's that's just something yeah. to, funny to think about. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a crazy coincidence that, uh, Denzel got signed like, like the same week that we were just talking about him. So maybe they were watching some of the old summer league highlights and they think that, you know, there's something there with this guy who, you know, won this championship for his team. So I don't know, but. <laughs> Look, prop, props to Denzel Valentine. Hopefully, hopefully he pans out over there. Hopefully he plays well. Hopefully he balls out. But we actually had a really busy Bulls news week. Like it just seemed like news was just like coming out like one after the other. And uh, I, I've seen some people, um, you know, have the thought that it, it it happened this way because they were all kind of linked together in some different ways. So we'll get into that. But. We had Io sign, so uh, kind of surprisingly, because there was some rumors coming out that he was not returned to Chicago. But Io resigned. Um, Javon Freeman Liberty uh, did not sign with the Bull. He is going to Toronto on a two-way contract, and the Bull signed Unarup Bitum. Hopefully, I'm getting that uh, pronunciation correct this time. But they got him on a two-way contract. So uh, a lot of transactions for the Bulls this week. And there's still a rumor out there about Christian Wood. I don't know if that is still something that's in play, but there was a rumor earlier in the week about Christian Wood uh, potentially signing with the Bulls. So we're going we're gonna to get into all of these uh, transactions and the potential transactions. And uh, joining us, uh, he is one of the uh, – I think he's one of the longtime voices of – of Bulls fans, of Bulls Twitter. Like, I, I I would think he is Bulls Twitter before it was a thing. But uh, we we know him. Uh, we've taught basketball with him, whether it's just through 
uh, typing or uh, on the podcast, but uh, he is the host of the Bulls Beat, also the co-host of the Big Red Bus. Doug Tonus, Doug, man, welcome back, man. <laughs> Thank you. Happy, happy to be here. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's no, sorry, go ahead, Doug. <laughs> oh no, no, I'm just uh, it's excited. It's been, I think, of quite a while since we've done a show together. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, Salim and I have met up a few times at various events, and a while since we've seen each other in person too. So it's just good to good to be back and to get to hang out for a little bit. Yeah, oh. we have to introduce Doug as the Podfather. The Podfather. The there podfather, we go. The yeah. first ever Bulls <laughs> podcaster. Yeah, he has to have that respect, the high level respect. Yeah, you've been talking it. to Fred too much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, no. I if I was talking to Fred too much, I would be in love with Denzel Valentine. <laughs> uh, we we met up with Mark K from Australia, one of our other podcasting buddies. And I don't know if you saw uh, the little clip. Mark recorded it on his phone while Pre- Fred wasn't paying attention about Fred right. describing the Valentine's Day massacre where he scored. I don't know, some insane amount of points against some team in some game like seven years ago. And he was so animated and excited about it. It was it's, it's hilarious. Uh, what kind of rise you can get out of Fred uh, if you mentioned Denzel Valentine. It's quite an experience to, to experience the C-Red Fred like roller coaster of like the the being mad and then at the but the Bulls and they're immediately like right away go back up to see Red everything's oh yeah Bulls gonna win it all it's it's amazing With it's like quite the, amazing the gif it's of like... the the gif of the sea parting and all that like good yeah, stuff yeah. and the waves and oh my lord the the seven and seven I I don't know but maybe maybe this adds to the theory because Io did sign for a deal that is on average seven million annually. So maybe we're getting somewhere with Fred and all of that. So I I don't know, but oh. uh, <laughs> but oh man, you gotta mention Fred. that on Twitter. It'll be, it'll, it'll be amazing. <laughs> yeah, if he hasn't thought of it yet himself, oh I, man, I'm it's just right there. Oh man, I, I hope he's not listening <laughs> to this then. But <laughs> but no, th- this was really I, I think I think this was a little surprising because then there was a rumor on uh that it came from uh Dan Bernstein by I believe on his podcast about IO potentially uh believing that he was not coming back to the Bulls at least that was his feeling uh like last week so we get this signing kind of out of nowhere IO signing for 3 years 21 million um I I don't think contract details have really leaked yet about this in terms of like how much of that is potentially incentives or uh what the options are on that deal and whatnot but uh, it, it, the market for IO did kind of seem to uh, dry up a little bit. So it, it was surprising in that it came out, but overall, I think this was a deal that, uh, the number to me isn't bad, but I think now we're looking at this team and we see this log jam of guards and it, it's going to be tough for IO to really kind of get that consistent playing time. But the Bulls do get to keep a, a really good, uh, like a solid young player that they found in the second round. So, uh, hopefully he con- continues to develop and can bounce back from last year. Doug, what did you think about Io re-signing, and what do you make of his role uh, going forward with the team? My first thought was, man, we paid him too much money, and we lost around the margins, and we tend to overpay everyone. And when I slept on it and chatted a little bit about it, I forget who mentioned it. Someone on Real GM said he probably had another offer and this was like an unofficial match. Like someone else was going to offer him this money. And he came to the Bulls and said, if you pay me the same, I'll let you organize it. 
in such a way that doesn't put poison pills and put you in the luxury tax. Um, and, and that feels probably like what happened. Otherwise, it just seems totally nonsensical to me. I would say, generally speaking, I, I don't know why you'd want to go three years, 21 million on a guy that is maybe fringe to be in your rotation. I mean, that kind of like IO, it just isn't, doesn't feel like a good use of money or a good use of a roster spot relative to the rest of the team needs and relative to what's on the team. You know, you just, just yeah, it's just, you don't want to let a guy go, but it just feels like you have an attachment to maybe one of the few successes that you had as GM here and you just didn't want to let a very popular player go. And we're thinking a little bit more with your heart than with your head in terms of the overall roster construction. Yeah, I think the process didn't make sense to me because, I mean, I guess what you're saying as far as somebody, potentially a team was going to offer him that. But, I mean, I think we would hear about that. Somebody would mention it if that was the case. But, like, the process didn't make sense because you had, like, you pretty much had this most strongest leverage with him. You had him in the restricted free agent this year. And he would, if he played on the qualifying offer, you would have had him on restricted free, agent, free agency uh, next offseason, too. And if a team wanted to offer him that, yeah, you could, you were going to pay that for him anyways. So you could have matched it. I don't know. It just keep, it seemed kind of like a interesting, like the process was weird. The only like thing I, kind of think I like about it is we always talk about when we're trying to figure out how to improve this team as you know every season we go through and we're always stuck on like okay what contract are we going to trade who are we going to throw in here to match contracts to get a player in return because then we always like oh well we can't trade Alex Caruso because he's too vital for this team moving forward or we can't trade you know so and so player because he's too vital for the rotation so now we at least have that we have like io and you know what it would be december 15th or january 15th when we can trade uh, trade him officially not to say that we will but like if it comes down the line that we need to add a contract for a trade you know that seven million can come in in handy i mean that's the only really thing where i'm not too concerned about it and like i mean yeah he's a backup i don't know where he's gonna get minutes yeah, that's the only thing I I, I, I like. I, I look at it as is like I think it's it's good that they have a trade a contract that they can move uh, if they want to improve the team somehow. Yeah, I agree. I, I have the same thought. Is that initially it seems like the front office is really trying to stack contracts so that they can have more options with trades. So right now you have Kobe under contract. You uh you resign Kobe. You resign Vooch. You resigned. Um, Io, I mean, you have Javon Carter, you have Tory Craig. I mean, there's more options here to really kind of like mix and match for a trade if one becomes available. So I think it's pretty solid in that regard. And for a team that's kind of stuck in the middle, you do kind of need that option to be able to have something to bring to the trade market, uh, potentially. Uh, I, I think there's good upside here though. If Io does find his way back into the rotation consistently, I think there's upside here for this to be a really team-friendly contract. And we talk a lot about how, uh, like, letting young players go and seeing them succeed elsewhere and things like that. But I, I think this is a deal where, like, there's some good room here. Like, with the cap, like, projected the jump significantly. Like, you have Io on a contract about $7 million per year. And we know he's capable of playing better than uh, what he showed last season. So, um it, 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 it's still a surprising move, but I, I like it overall that the Bulls were able to keep their young talent. Yeah, I think you guys both make a pretty good point about the tradeability of the contract. Hmm. It's hard for me to see what this team does in trades later anyway, 
like because you have your your big three and then so if you want to upgrade you're probably upgrading someone else on the roster and then now you've got like kind of like pretty solid role guys everywhere else in the roster and maybe even have depth maybe if you could find a good power forward later that would be something you could do but it's it's hard to see where they make iterative improvements to this group without getting a star player and it's hard to see how they could get a better star player mm-hmm. with the assets they have like if you just said like come up with a trade you know insert top 10 player you want is available and they he demands to go to Chicago and then they say all right put together anything you want and it's hard to even come up with something regardless of whether we would do it that the other team would say they'd accept like we just can't trade a pick in forever you know we yeah. don't have like a lot of the types of stuff teams in that situation look for so it, anyway that's it's maybe a separate thing i do think it's good that you always have the possibility so even if you're not making that big trade to be able to stack a couple of contracts together you know throw dalen terry and iota sumu together and maybe you can make a move for a 10 million dollar power forward later you know something like that might be good and the other thing i like about it as long as you are going to keep him in a situation where you don't have minutes in the first year you know by going three years you at least give yourself a chance for that upside to be meaningful like if he mm-hmm. develops this year and next year then there's like some chance that upside means something. Like if you did a two year deal, it's like, well, probably not going to play so much this year. And then who knows next year, then he's gone, even if he starts playing better. So it does give you a little bit of opportunity with time for that upside to materialize. So it, it's not awful. It's like, it, like, what would you think his value was before this happened for me? I was thinking like maybe four to five million a year. So yeah. it's not like, oh, wow, end of the world. We overpaid a guy by two two and a half million a year or something like that. It doesn't really matter that much. Yeah. I, I think it's about right in line with what you would expect. Like, I, I think I would have guessed like five, six. So, I mean, like you said, like one or two million more isn't really going to kill you. And like, that's still a very movable contract. And IO like is a, is a guard that theoretically could be two way. If he can like bounce back with his perimeter shot. I saw, um, I saw something interesting that a fan mentioned about how, and kind of like shifting into our next topic, about how this played out with Io and uh, JFL and Batim, and I, I think you make a good point here, Doug. That um, with uh, this contract kind of essentially being a match deal, where maybe Io found like that contract and got the Bulls to basically do it, that JFL then went to Toronto as a result because now he couldn't get that like guaranteed roster spot that he could have gotten if the Bulls lost out on Io. So. It seemed like JFL was potentially posed to maybe get some sort of minimum deal or something and get a roster spot, but didn't do that. And then they went ahead and uh, he went ahead to Toronto and Batim is now on uh, a two-way deal, a third two-way spot in Chicago. So what what did you think about how all of this played out with uh, Javon Freeman Liberty? Do you think this is something that the Bulls potentially kind of missed out on with him i mean he played really well in summer league he's been someone that they've been developing in their g league system so they've had a lot of eyes on him for a little while now um a a lot of people seem really displeased about losing out on him but uh what were your thoughts on how everything played out with him i don't know my first thought was like all the hype with him was like this is maybe just eddie bazd in the sequel (laughs) like like just the amount of hype about a guy like no one else, anyone could assign him to a minimum deal, right? So 30 teams mm-hmm. said he's not worth a minimum deal. And so anytime 30 teams pass on a guy for the minimum and someone takes him a two-way, like, well, yeah, maybe he'll pan out. But it means it's kind of a stretch, right? He, yeah. The G League is less than most of the better European leagues. 
And he wasn't like the best player in the G League last year or anything. And the best player in the G League is not an NBA player, generally speaking. Uh, you know, Marco Simonovic had great G League stats. So, on paper, like all the things he does seem like things that you would need and seems like he might be a good player. And I, I wouldn't like count him out or anyone who's, you know, close enough to the NBA that they can get a two way deal. That means he's like really close and he's in the next tier of guys who are on the fringe. And if he works hard, he can make it happen, maybe. But if you ever think like, wow, this two way guy was so close, I can't believe we missed him. Now, 30 people who are professional, 30 teams with full stabs of professional development. Uh, talent evaluators who saw him play a full season in the G League uh, didn't all go, he's not worth a minimum contract because he's really going to just be a stud. Like, it could happen, but it's just, just the odds are really against that. And people always get emotionally attached to someone in Summer League. And to put it in perspective, like, Summer League is less than the G League. It's less than, like, the NCAA, probably. It's, like, the worst type of basketball. Like, the guys are all playing to show out, like, like if there's anything I was going to, it's only four games. Like if there's any league I was ever going to look at the stats and say, this is completely and totally worthless. It's like, it's, it's the summer league. Like it's barely better than one of these pro-ams that have like half pros and half other people in it. Like, I just, just don't think I can take anything from that. So, you know, good luck to JFL. Like clearly, like I said, he's on the fringe. He's a guy who has a chance, but like, I don't think you should ever look at a two-way guy and go, Oh no, this is the end of the world. And then just bring up, you know, Max Drews or some other two-way guy who hit like, yeah, one in like 500 two-way guys hits. Like, okay, is what it is. You know, sometimes you miss. I just, I wouldn't worry about it. I mean, I personally just the, the process of it. So like, that's why with the IO deal, like you, so you gave him a little bit more money annually than his qualifying offer. Like, I feel like, like, I believe in JFL's talent. Like, I I, I see, like, the off-ball shooting. Like, it's not just the on-ball stuff, because the on-ball stuff is irrelevant. Like, he's never going to be an on-ball player on the Bulls. But I saw, it, like, the way he was shooting off-ball, I saw that being able to translate. I thought he was a good decision-maker, passer. So even as a connective passer, I could see him being a positive on that end. He had good size. Um, so I just felt like he should have been brought on as a minimum. And to your point, yeah, I, I get it, like, two-way player, you know, fringe NBA guys tend to not sometimes make it at all. It's just for me personally, I just believe in the talent a little bit more. And to compare to Marco, like I looked at Marco a lot of times. I just never believed in his talent. Like I looked at how the way he was playing. I get like, yeah, he put up numbers in the G League, but I was like, you know, the, the things he does in the G League does is not transferable into the NBA. I just felt differently with JFL where I can see the things he does being transferable in the NBA. So that's what my viewpoint is, like why I felt like they should kept him. Obviously, I'm not. It's not the end of the world, and maybe some because I was just that into him as a player. I was maybe a little bit more like, you know, I wanted him down the Bulls, but we'll see how it turns out for sure. Like, I know, like you know, Bulls have been burned in the past by it, but also other teams have been burnt in the past by it too. By you know, deciding like, okay, well, we're gonna go in a different direction. It does happen. But yeah, that's just my whole reasoning behind it. I just, like I said, I just believe in his talent, and I think he could be a, a solid rotation player. I think that totally makes sense. In the like, I agree with you completely on Marco. Like I saw him, and I'm like, this guy doesn't belong. I can see why he puts up stats here, but he doesn't belong in the NBA. And I also agree with you from what I saw of JFL. I thought he belongs a little more. So there's something there. But in the end, we got three two-way guys, and so you yeah. know, there's the risk that one of those three guys might be a great player, and. And if you passed on one of them, like, like you have so many roster spots 
you know, you have to count on your scouting staff and whatever to say, these are the guys we want to risk our dollars on. And so that's what they did. And are those the right guys? Like I absolutely am not at the level where I'm scouting G league players and European players enough to, to have like really strong feelings about it. I also was like a little excited about JFL, but then I take a step back and I'm like, whatever, it probably won't matter. Um, but he, he has been one of the more exciting summer league G league type prospects that I've seen in terms of what you said, like he can shoot, he's got decent size. He's got decent athleticism. Like those components feel like they could translate. Like you could see why that could work out, uh, whether it does or not. So a lot of these guys like Marco, you're like, yeah, he's just too slow, too small too whatever. Like there's no way he's going to pan out. So, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm again. Yeah. But uh, you, you make good points, at least in that you can, you can squint and you can see it. You're like, yep, I could see how this, there's a path. If he if he works hard enough, there's a path, and you can see the path. Yeah, it, it kind Brings of. He didn't go to the heat. Oh yeah, Then he knew it was gonna pan yeah, out. It's if a, he went it's to a the rap heat. after that. No, it's a rap <laughs> after that. It, Toronto is also great with the two way guys. Like don't. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Also uh, Fred Van Fred Van Lee so. was an undrafted guy for sure. Yeah, he yeah. was. He was in their G League, and then they signed him to a roster spot at, at some point. Yeah, I, you're, you're, that is true. <laughs> I was I, I was just kind of taken aback by like all of the uh, the outcry because I was like, man, if you would have told me like a few months ago that the Bulls would keep like all of their young players for reasonable prices and that they would have like a decent offseason overall and the biggest complaint would be because we lost JFL, I'd be, I don't know if I would have believed you overall. Like it's just very surreal. And um, I yeah, I have conflicting thoughts because like I, I liked what I saw in Summer League, but at the same time, like you said, Doug, with all of this stuff, it really is just kind of like a guessing game. So when you see everyone's like, oh, man, we missed out on Dinwiddie and, you know, we missed out on uh, Struess. And it's just like, yeah, but it's just like to me, sometimes with these guys, like I know there is a, a pretty detailed scouting process with it. But a lot of times I think it really is a huge element of luck too. like Struess towards ACL, then wound up in Miami. And after, like before that, he had already gotten away from Boston before he got to Chicago and then. Even when you look at Dinwiddie, like he hadn't really done much in Detroit for two years. We got him for Cameron Bearstow, so we got him for nothing anyway. So it just, I don't know, like a lot of this stuff is just kind of luck. And sometimes you may be right, sometimes you won't. Like, who knows, Justin Lewis might end up being really good. Sonogo looked really solid himself in Summer League, too. And uh, this next guy that we're talking about, uh, Honorat Batum, again, hopefully I'm not messing up the name too much, but... um, in the brief highlights that I saw, like he, I'm still very surprised that he is available for a two way contract. Um, I don't know, something isn't making sense with that. But um, the Bulls signed him to a two way deal, so he's their third two way contract. And he, he's six six, looks like a, a pretty solid passer. Looks like he can shoot the ball a little bit. Like looks like he plays with pretty good uh, energy. I can't really give you like a, a whole lot beyond that from what I saw, like a few YouTube clips, but. Uh, what did you think, Doug, about uh, them signing Batum? Like, he, he seems like a – it's just a very curious case to me, like, of this guy. Like, he seems like he should be able to get – like, if we're talking about minimum deals, he seems like a guy that could get, like, a minimum deal for an NBA team. So, I don't know. What do you think? The thing that that was weird about that and my total scouting report is five minutes of YouTube videos I watched. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, which may be about the same of all Bulls fans. The thing that surprised me is he seems pretty well respected as a European player and the two-way contract just feels like less money than he would get in Europe. Mm. 
Like I that that's what surprised me is I was just like you can't get five hundred thousand a year in Europe and in Europe they generally pay your taxes which is like another forty percent so you know it's like he really needed to get like a three hundred k European contract to beat this deal like that just feels like that would have been on the table and maybe he just really wanted to go to the NBA but then why not just develop in Europe for one more year and then you know come when you can get a actual roster spot for you know, a couple million dollars. So I thought that was, that was the only thing that seemed weird to me. And I'm like, well, if he, if he wasn't good enough to get a full roster spot at the minimum, again, it's the same thing. No one else wanted to give him that either. Like mm. it wasn't like we had exclusive rights on him. So, you know, probably a, a fringe guy, like any two a guy. And maybe to your point, when you discussed how lucky it is that one guy does well versus another, it's like really a lot about the heart and internal improvement and work ethic and all these other things that those guys have. And, finding the right niche and the right trainers and staying healthy enough and whatever. And, you know, like those things are hard to project. Mm -hmm. You know, if you look at your own life and you think about what you were doing at age 20 and someone said, Hey, project out what your life is going to look like, you know, over the next 10 years, like that would be really hard <laughs> to, yeah. to do. Like you would like for any person, you know, it's just, you just never know if you go to a high school reunion or something and you look at like, here's all the people, some of them were smarter, some of them were this, some were that, but you had to, to guess who's going to make the most money later, like your odds of being correct on that would be extraordinarily low. Mm -hmm. You know, even though you would have all this detailed knowledge of hanging out with these people all the time, like you, you it just, there's so many things that can happen that are really hard to project. And so, you know, by fingers crossed and all our two way guys, I like Lewis. Other people really seem to like Bidham. So you know, I hope he turns out, I don't know much about him. Um, I would have taken JFL over, uh, I forget how to pronounce it, the last guy's name. It's like Sonoko. <laughs> Sonoko. Yeah, yeah. I would have taken JFL mm -hmm. over him, but but otherwise, yeah, whatever. I mean, it's like, again, like my my guess is all four of those guys are never going to be NBA impact guys. Like if you said, hey, I'll give you a million dollars if you're right on on guessing which of these will be an impact guy, and I can pick one, two, three, four, or none, I'd pick none. Let's so. pick one. Let let come on. Let's let's pick one. I don't know. Give me don't give know. me one. I, give me one guy that you're like the highest on out of those. I would probably take, um, I'd probably take Bidum out of the four. Okay, if I had to take one, and JFL would be probably my second out of the four. Lewis, I might have liked more, but then he tore his ACL already, and I just feel for some guys, they just never come back from that. So while mm -hmm. I liked him a lot last year, like coming off an ACL tear, I just think that's adds a lot. So yeah, well, I'll add Bidum. I was actually, uh, I was intrigued originally, but I. I was able to get a little bit actually some of his gameplay uh video on that. Uh shout out to Lero. He was able to uh help me out and get some of the clips on that. Um but yeah, he, he I mean he's intriguing. I like the idea of like because he, he can shoot. Um he's he's his athleticism looks pretty decent. Like it looks like an NBA level athleticism. Like not to say he's like an elite athlete by any means, but like he doesn't seem like you know, a lot of times, not and when people play overseas, like the athleticism can be, you know, tricky crossing over to the NBA. I, I feel like he he would be able to do that. He like the pass dribble type of stuff. He can do that. Um, seems like he could be a guy that's decent at attacking closeouts. Uh, like if it's, you know, in that regards, he just seems like a, a like a like a decent IQ level player, like a decent field level player, and. To Doug's point, like it was interesting, like he came on the two way. I feel like 
maybe it's maybe it's because of his age that kind of hurt him that like mm-hmm. he's like 23 so maybe that's what kind of hurt him as far as getting a bigger deal with the, with the NBA team but yeah I actually like him and like I say you know we, we've all criticized AK about his shooting profile and, and getting guys that can't shoot but like I like that he's added this upside where you're getting a guy that can really space the floor and maybe he'll be a little bit more than I know we had Corey Telebon he kind of made a notch comparison not like apples to apples notch comparison but kind of that type of like player that plays you know 100 percent and can do a lot of these things that will translate as far as like the stuff that notch did in a sense so yeah i, I i'm i'm excited about him uh as a prospect a guy that two way i was actually a little disappointed because i thought originally we lost him yeah to houston uh, i don't know if you get yeah to like to houston because he was practicing with them uh, during summer league out of nowhere so i was like ah oh, damn did we did we that did that not work out all of a sudden so but yeah, it turns out that he did end up signing with the bulls that worked out pretty well i think yeah i i think with uh i i think with Bazim, like like you said to me the things that stand out the most like the passing and the shooting are, are really pretty solid overall like you see in these clips like he's running pick and roll he's finding open man core vision seems pretty decent so i mean to get all of that i think to get like at least a few things like that and like a six six like guard maybe like kind of like smaller small forward like I think that's pretty solid overall. So uh, maybe I'm being kind of like too bullish, but I, I like what they've done with the uh, two way spot so far. I'm still not completely out on Justin Lewis. Hopefully he can get back to full health. But like we were pretty high on Justin Lewis like last year, and it, it, it was like quick to see why when you watch this like stuff at Marquette like six seven six eight just. Like, tough, can shoot, athletic, like, just plays hard. Uh, so, uh, hopefully we get to – hopefully he, he gets to foil because I, I still think there is potentially something there. But, again, we're we're just kind of, like, throwing darts with a lot of these guys. So, who knows? Um, Kind of shifting back into, like, the other uh, potential transaction with the uh, Christian Wood rumor that we mentioned at the top. Uh, I'm not sure where the Bulls stand salary cap-wise. I think I've read that we're about – 1.8 million or 1.7 million under a luxury tax I, i'm not sure like how all this uh still fits after the io deal but there is a rumor that the bulls were interested in signing christian wood and i think the lakers are also another team that is uh interested in bringing him in uh doug theoretically if, if the bulls were somehow able to bring in christian wood again i, I don't know how all this works cap wise and what that like minimal number looks like but um what, what would you think about bringing in Wood? Like, it, it seems like he, he, we know he's a productive player, at least offensively, but a lot of the off court stuff or just kind of like the general intangibles and how he's been like, you know, kind of like clashed with coaches and just hasn't really fit in these organizations that he's been with so far seems to be the reason why he's still available. So, what do you think about Wood as a player and potentially bringing him in? I guess I would think probably the things uh, you just mentioned <laughs> for the most part is productive and uh, there's maybe a lot of smoke around his attitude mm-hmm. and you know how much fire there is with that smoke is hard for me to say because I've never met him, uh, not seen any quotes, I've not really that closely followed his career except to know that there's a lot of smoke. Certainly a pretty big red flag that Dallas, who could absolutely use a player like him and is trying to win now. Uh, was just like, nah, we're not bringing you back under any circumstances, and then just also pulled him out of the rotation. Like, that just feels like if this guy had something really great to offer us, 
that Dallas who looked at him up close and and desperately needs you know cheap productive players would not be running away. So you know that scares me a little bit. You know, I would leave it to our front office to do their due diligence. And if they said, yeah, we think we got the locker room that can handle this guy. Billy Donovan is a great players coach. DeMar DeRozan is a great mentor. We think we can bring in a guy like this and then take advantage of the productivity and mitigate some of these other things and help him along through whatever stuff he struggled with in other teams. Like, I'd be okay with it. You know, from a real practical perspective, we are, if my numbers are correct, about $500,000 away from the luxury tax with uh, Carlique Jones on the roster, they can waive him, but then they would need to bring in someone else at the same salary. So it effectively doesn't really matter. Um, so they will go into the luxury tax if they add another player uh, of, of any type. They, they can't even add a undrafted rookie. They, even that would push them over. They can stay with 14 players on the roster. And just given the Bulls history, I would just assume that that's what they're going to do. They are hard capped, uh, which I'm sure you guys know at 172 million. So now we're at around 165 million. Uh, so the most we can offer him is then about 7 million. Uh, the, so we could offer him that much using the disabled player exception for one year. We've got, I want to say it's 6.2 or 6.4 million left of the mid-level exception that we could still offer him if we wanted to go multi-years. Um, so those would be the possibilities. I'd, you know, I'd, be, I'd be fine if we bring him in. I, I can't see the Bulls paying the luxury tax only because of all the times in our history. Like I would not look at this team and go, this is the time that we want to dip our toe into the tax. This is, this is the one that's going to go somewhere and is worth breaking that hard, fast rule. We have the one that missed the playoffs last year and added, you know, fringe role players that other championship teams decided they didn't want to keep. Um, I just, you know, as, as much as I like our offseason in terms of what it did, it's like, you know, Javon Carter, the Bucks didn't want him badly enough to keep him. They're trying to win a title. Torrey Craig, the Suns signed 11 guys at the minimum, and they didn't want to keep Torrey Craig at the minimum. So, you know, like those those are kind of also like flags of like those teams trying to win a title didn't view these guys as that critical to what they were doing. And, you know, Wood's another guy that wouldn't be in the same boat of like maybe productive, but maybe not, um, you know, uh, other teams that need a guy like him don't want him. I mean, like Christian Wood to me, it's I I was interested in him because it was like a minimum or like a, a, a much less contract wise what we were originally thinking. I think when we first started getting into the cusps of free agency and you know the conversations about okay should we keep Booch and if we do, what are the alternatives? And there's like, well, you know, the alternative would be like Christian Wood at the MLE. Is that is that better than just keeping Booch? You know, and, you know, at, at, at those type of prices, I was like, you know what, I'm not really interested in Christian Wood at the full MLE because that could be a tricky contract to move. But, like, if he's, like, a one-year approved, like, deal where you bring him in, um, I know, obviously, uh, you talked about the luxury tax. I mean, it's not hard for the Bulls to move a contract if it's looking bad at some point where it's like, oh, this team is just going to be finishing at 40 wins this season if that. And, you know, at the trade deadline, we need to move a contract. They could probably move on these smaller deals. Like uh, Javon Carter wouldn't be tough to move to get under the luxury tax or even, um, what do you call it? I think you could probably dump, like, I mean, push comes to shove. It's not like the Bulls haven't done it before with a Kyle Korver trading a really valuable player for nothing. Like, you, they could probably just dump, like, Caruso uh, to, to for a draft pick and, and a, tra a trade player exception. Um so, I mean, if they wanted to, they could do that. I don't think they will at this point. And 
I don't know what's going on with the Lakers. I mean, if, if if Christian Wood wants a situation where he wants to prove himself, I think the Lakers would be a better situation because he would probably get to start potentially there. Like, I know between him and uh, Rui Hachimara, that'd be, like, you know, an interesting who they, who they would start as opposed to uh, come off the bench. But I think as far as role and everything is concerned, I think he would definitely get a bigger opportunity there and obviously more of a spotlight because – you know, you're on a team with LeBron and Anthony Davis. So you're you're gonna have more opportunities to showcase yourself, if anything, and that minimum deal might be more worth it than getting, you know, two, three million more to come on the Bulls and maybe play twelve minutes a night if that, like depending on the night that we need you, like you probably back up the four and five. And I think the Bulls and not to ramble on, but I, I do think there's lineups where the Bulls can hide his defense. Like with Patrick Williams and Torrey Craig, kind of have those guys as kind of weak side help defenders. You can probably hide his rough uh, Christian Wood that is his bad defense. But yeah, that's kind of the thoughts I've had. I know I've thrown a lot on the table there, but um, those are the kind of my thoughts on Christian Wood. And let me ask you one thing related to one of your thoughts specifically, which was you said, you know, we can always make a trade to get out the luxury tax later. And I agree with you. Like if, if we don't go very deep into it, like you could probably just dump Dalen Terry for nothing as an example. And that's 3 million. And like, I'm not so high in Dalen Terry. I'd care if we had to, do you think the gamble on Christian Wood is worth putting yourself in the position where you're likely to have to make a move later to get out of the luxury tax? Like you're probably well, going to pay something to do that later. And you're probably going to have to do that later. And so it's like, do you value Wood enough that you're like, it's okay that I might have to get, and, and maybe that move later is like I said, it's giving up Dalen Terry or second rounders. Like, I don't think we're talking about giving up like three unprotected firsts. No, yeah. The luxury right, tax. Right. I think it's like, a, it'd be a small thing. Like your worst case scenario of just jump, J, um, dumping a, a Carter for nothing. is like maybe like the worst case scenario. So, I, but do you think like the upside of wood is worth putting yourself in a position where you are likely going to take some type of loss later in the season to avoid the tax. Yeah, no, that's fair. And that, 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 that's definitely something to consider. And, and pro- the answer there is more so no than yes, because of the fact that, you know, you, you're going to have to give up a value, some sort of value, regardless if it's small or not. Um, Cause we've seen like, for example, the, with second rounders, granted, you know, they're easy to come by, but also like two second rounders got some decent role rotation. Like the um, Cavs are the Cavs, I uh, can't remember who, but they were able to get Obi Toppin for two second rounders and he's a solid rotation player. Right. So um, that's, that's value as well. So, yeah, I mean, you, you make a very good point there that definitely it's not probably not worth it to, for Christian, what to go into tax where you're going to have to, if it comes to a situation where this team is just looking like a very much 40 and 42 team. And it's like, yeah, we got to hustle here and get under the tax for. Yeah. It, it really is interesting that you, you look at his offensive numbers at least and had like a 62.4 true shooting percentage last season had like a child, like 51% from the field, almost like 38% from three. And like Doug said, like a lot of teams could use that specifically the team that he's, was just with in Dallas and he's still available potentially for a minimum. I mean, that just speaks a lot of value about like what's going on potentially behind the scenes, even if we're just speculating, but just, just crazy that he is like available for a price that he is. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see where he does end up. 
kind of going back to like we've been talking a lot about like wins and like I, I think you mentioned like 40 42 like we've been talking about what all this improvement improvement that we've seen during the offseason with Craig and Carter and um you know they they traded into the draft to uh, select Julian Phillips Phillips even though he's probably not going to play much but um overall this team looks to be improved to at least some degree Doug where do you where do you think this team is probably going to finish or like what type of upside do you think this team has next season are they just kind of like incrementally better do you think there's a path where they can actually secure a playoff seed like outright at like number six or something like that uh like what are your thoughts on like where you see this team finishing next season if if this is the final product that we have going into the year yeah, I mean, I think this is going to be really close to the final product, close mm-hmm. enough that we can make pretty good guesses that aren't going to be moved a whole lot by anything else that happens. I would, I would say the upside is probably five. Like it's hard for me to see them go past five, and I would say like the the floor is probably like eleven, uh, which is a pretty wide range. You know, at the beginning of the season, like you know, it's realistic. Everyone has kind of a wide range. Uh, I'd say if the team stays extremely healthy and. They were really healthy last year, which is one of the things I harp on. People say, well, Lonzo was out all year. Lonzo didn't play any games, though. He was out before the season started. Like, normally you accumulate injuries throughout the year. Uh, the Bulls missed five total games, I think it was, between Zach and DeMar, and then Pat and um, Vooch played the whole year. So it was like five games out of, like, maybe, you know, theoretically of your four starters. And Io was the starter for most of the rest of the year. If you count like Io and Bev, they missed basically no games out of those guys either um, of their starting point guard rotation. So it was basically they had a nearly perfect health starting lineup. If they could replicate that, I think they could be six, but it's just, that's so unlikely to replicate like the career average of each one of those guys in missed games was like higher than the total of all four, uh, which is like an insane way to look at it. But like those guys average probably, 10, 12 games a year each over their careers. So I, th- I think that's the the thing you don't like to think about, but like from a practical perspective, regression to the mean on injuries means they aren't going to be as healthy. And then it's like, if you look at what happens if you lose Vooch for like 30 games, you know, and it's like your, your big man depth of true big men is like Andre Drummond and no one. Like you don't even have a big power forward. You're small with both of your power forwards. Like you're no one at center then. Like you have some like real like doomsday scenarios if things go bad for you and you miss out on like a critical player. So um, that's where I feel like you could easily fall into the 11, 12 range is like if there's like a Vooch injury and it's just like, oh, sh- shoot, we just have nothing now. And like nothing. And like you guys follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm not the biggest Vooch fan. But it's like if you take mm-hmm. a guy like that off the roster right now with what else you've done, you're really, really in dire straits. So I think the the Bulls, if they stay fully healthy, could probably win about 45, 46 games. They actually were so bad last year in close games. Like the regression to the mean on just like luck and coin flip games should get them like three or four more wins too. So like those are the two opposing, I guess, uh, mean type regressions when I look at last season that I would say um, you would have. And, and, you know, the team just fits better. Carter and Craig fill a lot of the holes we thought we had last year. So I, I feel they should be a better squad this year than last squad. Uh, I don't think continuity is going to bring us to like being like a 50 win type team, but continuity does help compared to lack of continuity. So they won't be taking a continuity penalty that other teams will have. Um, and, you know, maybe that can add a win or two at most, but at least it's not going to take anything off the table like it might otherwise. So 
I think their upside is, like I said, around five. I I pegged them seven. If you were to say, where do you think they'll land right now? I'd say they're probably the seventh team. Yeah, I mean, I, I pretty much agree with Doug. I think probably seven, eighth seed. Um, upside is probably depending on Kobe and Pat's improvements, and we'll see what happens there. Um, there's always, you know, that's always the swing. It's it's unknown right now because we're just kind of assuming they'll make the gradual improvements that they've shown so far. But if they make any more than the gradual improvements, then Austin, we're talking about, oh, maybe they could walk into a fourth seed and who knows. But that's obviously an extreme uh, case. But yeah, like one thing I'll say about, you know, you you brought up like the close game scenarios. I, I think what could help the Bulls in those close game scenarios. Like the spacing always on this team last season was sh- shitty as hell. Like we all talked about it like, ad nauseum. If the spacing this year actually has improved, I think that's one of the biggest issues with Zach. Obviously we already talk about his on ball flaws. He, there's no doubt he has flaws as an on ball player, but it gets amplified by so much because of the crappy spacing that he has to play under. Mm-hmm. Now, like I said, if that spacing had improved, um, he will be better in clutch situations because of that mere fact, because the last time the Bulls had even one like reliable, like really elite level floor space in Lonzo ball, like Zach was like a 40 like a 50, 40, 90 player in clutch. So um, I think that should help like stuff like that will help. So yeah, you, I think your win range about 44 to 46 games. If health is on our side is probably accurate. Um, and like I said, anything else, it depend just depends on like real internal improvement. And one thing I'll say about Io, I know we didn't like we didn't really talk about his him as a player. Mm. I think it's been interesting the discussion on Io uh, has been kind of like a big like little, before the season started, we were all like, oh, Io is the starting point guard of the future. He's gonna be our this you know this guy that's gonna be better than Patrick Williams. Like he's gonna be the guy who's gonna break out this year. And now this offseason has kind of been the inverse of that, where everyone's like, get rid of Io. We don't care about Io. It's like there's like a middle ground here that we need to come back on with Io. It's like, listen, I think there's things that he does well. He's a good, versatile defender. He's good in the open court. He's good at finishing at the rim. Uh, obviously, the big swing for him, again, is going to be can he, can he figure out how to do get, become a solid catch-and-shoot guy? And that probably makes him into a solid rotation player. Um, and that could obviously help the Bulls as well. In one way or another, if he looks good, maybe they can trade him for upgrade the roster. Or just he finds a way uh, to be like that backup three. Because right now, I think there's a hole right there as well on this roster to find a you know decent backup three wing, like a three uh, behind like DeMar and Pat or whoever you want to put down there. There's, there's some a potential hole there because obviously people were kind of thinking maybe Dalen could fill in, but obviously Dalen looks like he's not ready to contribute yet as well. So yeah, all the, all that long rambling again to say, sure. I'm, I'm, I'm on the same wavelength as Doug, as far as what the, the upside for this Bulls team is, but I just wanted to add in that little piece about Io, just because I feel like a lot of people have gone completely, you know, on the other side of of the of the yeah. uh, deep end with him, as far as what he is as a player. Yeah, you're. I think you're right about Io. Like, I'm not. I'm not out on him by any means. And like we've we've been talking on like these last few shows, and like I I think we all wanted to keep him, and the number is pretty solid overall. And 
it, it really, like you said, it's just a matter of like, can he get that shot back? Can he get that three point shot back that kind of dipped last season? And it, it's just kind of crazy how that's just really the swing skill for a bunch of players on his team. And I guess that kind of goes back to how they want to change the shot profile and they want, you know, you bring in the shooting coach to hopefully change all of that. But I, I think it's still a, a pretty solid uh potential player for us in the future a potential very good two-way guy that can like he's a very versatile defensively smart player passes very well hopefully he gets a shot back so I, i'm not out on him on him by any means in go, kind of going back to like the eastern conference overall do you guys feel that this is kind of uh i guess things can change if miami gets uh gets dame and um you know what happens with Philly and, and James Harden? I I don't know, but is are we looking at a potential like decrease in the Eastern Conference at least in quality wise that I could that I think could open it up for one of these teams that's kind of like in the middle to potentially rise up like a little bit, not necessarily to become contenders, but like do you think this is a an Eastern Conference that's at least vulnerable for a team that could potentially like surprise? if it kind of like stays the way it is right now. Yeah. I mean, you'd say the Bucks and the Celtics are really good and everyone else has at least some degree of question marks. Mm. Be my off the cuff thinking, right? Like those two teams, Philly, depending on what happens with Harden, like I figure, you know, but Embiid is now like, Oh, if I win a championship here or somewhere else, like there's, there's like some smoke going on there. And I figure they'll probably still be good enough to be a top three team this year, but there's enough question marks there. Cleveland, Seems really solid, but, you know, they lost in the playoffs in the first round. Maybe continuity helps them. But, yeah, I mean, like, you look at the Knicks, the Nets, the Hawks, the Raptors, the Heat, the Pacers, like, Magic, Wizards, and the Bulls. Like, I don't know that any of those teams, I'm like, wow, they're just a whole tier better than the other teams in that group. Hmm. Like, like, like that that group in the middle, the middle class of the East is is very much, I think, going to come down to who stays healthier and, who gets a little bit of luck on their side with some guys maybe outperforming what you expected and taking some leaps. Like, but there's none of those teams are like, wow, I'm just totally stocked with talent and gonna gonna, gonna run all over everyone else. No, it's, it's interesting you po- mentioned the Bucks and the Celtics. I mean, there's scenarios that those teams could take a dive to because like the Celtics, if Chris Stop goes back to being injured, like he's been a lot, like they lost Marcus Smart. That's probably gonna hurt them a lot. And then like the Bucks, I feel like the Bucks looked old last year into the playoffs. I know like Giannis got hurt, but like I think people like gloss over like how old they looked in the playoffs. I think they and they haven't gotten better at this offseason. I don't think they've really made a move that really upgraded their roster by a lot. I think maybe a margins, I think they hit someone on the margins that could maybe potentially help them a little bit. But that'll be interesting to see how like age wise, because obviously they retained Brooke Lopez. I can't remember. I, I I can't remember who they added. I thought they added somebody, but I didn't think it was anything like like to some like man, I can't believe they got this guy. Hmm. Um I can't remember the top of my head. Oh, you know what? No, I'm sorry. I, I take it back. Uh they got Malik Beasley, right? Um uh which could actually be a decent uh upside for them because if you can if he can kind of do a prove a deal, because he'll probably start for them. But yeah, I just think like that would be interesting. Minor the Bucks, like the other guys that kind of got older. Like I said, Drew Holly's got like yeah. older. Brooke Lopez is he going to continue to play at this level? 
we'll find out. But yeah, I think uh, to Doug's point, I'm actually more intrigued with the Pacers. I think the Pacers could take a decent jump as far as like kind of like being that, not necessarily a contender or anything like that, but like take a jump into being competitive enough to be in that five to four to five range. Uh, just because I, I like a lot of the young players that they have. Um, and I think they've done a pretty interesting job in the offseason as well. Yeah. The Magic are the other team, I think. Yeah. They've got, I mean, they just have so much young talent that it's like they've got a lot of guys that, yeah, maybe like, I don't know which two I'd be like, oh, they're going to make the big leap. But it's like they got probably five guys that could, you could see making a pretty good, they got like five copies of Pat Williams. If <laughs> two of them pan out, <laughs> right. it's like, right. like, then they could be really good, right? Where it's like, well, yeah, we've got one of those guys that we hope pans out. You know, but they they got a lot of uh, a lot of bullets in the shotgun to uh, to spread around and see if if some of them pan out and yeah, it could also be nothing. But they you know, yeah. another team that if luck goes their way, you could you could see you can see the path for them to be good if uh, you know one of those guys steps forward. You make a really yeah. good point about I'm surprised Boston. they're not. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say you you made a really good point about Boston. Like I'm not even sure. Like the like you said, I'm not even sure that, that they're gonna be like that same quality because like Kristaps for. Uh, smart. I, I think that's a big risk overall. Like smart was such an important part of their team and just like a, like one of the elite glue guys and like a defensive player of the year guy. And now your team isn't, you don't have that same type of like guy. I think that really can impact the game like Marcus smart does. So like it, it's going to be interesting to see how like Porzingis really does like shift how they play and like how teams defend them and whatnot. So, I mean, even when you look at like the contenders overall, like it's not even <laughs> just potentially a fall off there. Like you said, it's the whole NBA like, too. Yeah. It's one of the best things, right? Like you look at the right, West right. and it's the same, like even the nuggets who were great last year and had a phenomenal run, you know, like they lost key players this year. They're a worse yeah. team this year than they were last year. And so, you know, it's uh it makes it, it makes it exciting for general NBA watching that there is a lot of openness to the league. And that's probably why you see so many teams trading assets to get better because they look at like, yeah, why not us? Like this is a, why not us era of basketball. And that, that gives you like something to hope for. Yeah. I think like when I get to get back to Boston is basically, it's about Chris Tops. If you can, if you can stay healthy, I do think there'll be a better team because like, I, again, no, no doubt. Like not, not to discredit Marcus smart by any means, but I think there's like, I think they have, enough where like i think like i like Derek white i like some other other guards and i feel like they have some other assets they could trade to add to their guard depth if they need to and like if chris christophs is healthy he adds a guy that can is a good passer in the half court he can really space the floor gives jason tatum uh more relief and even to be able to uh get you know jalen to get the ball out of jalen brown hands because he's just not like a really good decision maker late in games um, I think, yeah, I mean, there, like I said, there, there is like upside there for the Celtics. It just d- depends on if, if Chris Ops, who's generally been an injury prone player, um, if he gets hurt, yeah, that's going to be a big like down, downswing for them. Yeah. It's a, hey, it's a, why not, why not this year? It could apply to, yeah. could apply to the Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm not going to bet on that though, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with the Eastern conference. Definitely, uh, could be a little bit more unpredictability 
uh, this upcoming year in, in both conferences and a lot of major moves that are still yet to come that could uh, really impact it. Uh, Doug, this has been great talking to you. We appreciate you joining us again on Bulls Go. Love talking to you about the Bulls and their offseason so far. Can you let us can I let our listeners know where they can follow you on social media, what you got working on, anything you're about to record soon? And again, we appreciate you coming coming on. I appreciate the great chance for publicity, but I have nothing really great to publicize. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do a, I do a podcast occasionally as I have time, which is the Bulls Beat. You mentioned uh, that in the Big Red Bus earlier. And then, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, Doug underscore Tonus on Twitter. But um, I sort of feel like everyone, like we've, we've known each other for like so long, like in the Bulls podcasting community is so great that it's like yeah. everyone kind of knows who everyone is at this point. Like yeah. anyone who follows me already knows you guys. Uh, anyone who follows you probably has heard of me and either, either <laughs> likes my brand or doesn't like yeah. my brand already, like isn't going to gonna jump on board. But no, it was awesome, awesome uh, talking with you guys. You know, I love it. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of secrets in the, in the Bulls <laughs> podcast community. That, that's the best <laughs> thing about it, honestly. Like, yeah. It's not like a lot of competitiveness or anything. Like everyone yeah. is so nice and friendly and willing to help out. Like I've met, I think, every almost everyone who runs the show and like they're all just really cool people like yeah. it's just it's just you know really nice so yeah no no no, no doubt at all like it yeah, it's just been a blast like we've had so many people from the community overall like doing shows jumping on each other's shows jumping on our show just just a blast to collaborate so yeah again thank you to doug uh dropping by Celine. you got any final words before we wrap up well yeah i'm i'm i mean this i think it's a wrap for the roster yeah i think maybe they add I mean, I don't think they'll add anyone. We got at most, they'll get rid of Carlick Jones, and maybe that'll be in training camp more so, if anything, because I think his deal doesn't get fully guaranteed until the regular season starts. So maybe they'll give him an opportunity as far as like just being like a uh, kind of just like a like let's listen, we'll we'll allow you to play and see if another team is interested in you, uh, or you you can attract interest. Uh, and during preseason or through training camp. But yeah, I think the roster is pretty much set. We'll see what happens. But yeah, I'm again, thanks to Doug. Obviously, it's always fun to chat with him. He's very knowledgeable a lot on obviously the financial side of CBA. He's always, mm-hmm. I always like to pick his brain on that because I, I, I don't know how like you remember most of that stuff because it's just so like the CBA is probably like the dumbest document. <laughs> like in all the sports like the NBA, i don't understand like they make it they make it almost like to the point where like they all don't even understand it just because how like complicated it is um but yeah it's always a pleasure to chat with doug as well and, and get his insight overall yeah absolutely uh the cat or not the cat the cba is a. Uh, it's funny i feel like I, I knew like more about it like years ago but like you said it just feels like there's so many more things that just get added to it and like mm-hmm. people just always talk about how like dense reading it is so always give props to the people who are able to like keep track of that and understand these things and just be able to just like on a drop of a dime tell you what is and what isn't going on in the nba but uh that concludes today's show as always you can catch our past shows right here on the barroom network wherever you get your uh podcast thank you again to doug tonis for dropping by for Salim Sudwala, I'm Edward Schuler. This has been Bulls Gold, and we will catch you next time, Bulls fans.